passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Brother Nate, what's up, man? Joe 2 here. Yo, Joes, me familia. You know, I've been thinking about something. It's the holiday season, the season of giving, and I think we should give the people what they want. I think we should give the people more. That's actually kind of funny, Nate, because we were just talking about this. That's right, brothers. Let's give the people more. We got to give the people more. Let's go. (sighs) They're going to fuck shit up. That is not going to work. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir. May I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock advice. Shut your mouth. What you want. What you want. How about what the rock wants? Allow me to reintroduce myself. Jabroni beating, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done, you're out of your class, no sleep till Brooklyn, the rock whips your ass. What's going on, brothers and sisters? Coming to you from Theater D, Row J, Seat 7. I am the Godfather Nate Milton, and this is the Rocky Maya Via Picture Show. We're back. And this is your favorite pop culture and pro wrestling podcast dedicated to the genius of sports entertainer turned thespian, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now playing this week, 2017's The Fate of the Furious. All right, let's go, girls. Let's go. Let's go. Final two minutes. Quite the cheering section. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some moms that come out to support the kids. Except there seem to be more moms than kids. Way more moms. (laughs) Yeah. It's a big soccer town. Let's go, girls. All right, ladies and gentlemen. See, normally, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. Normally, when, when we put these clips in to get you excited for the review they're they're an action clip or there's some type of fisticuffs or altercation going down but that clip right there that was just a rock at a soccer game that tells you how great 
this review is when that's the clip that sets everything up. But let's not waste any time here because I'm excited to talk about this latest installment in the Fast and the Furious saga. Uh, but I can't do it alone. And since every Cisco needs an Ebert, every Ebert needs a Roper, and every Blaine needs a Twan, I've got a crew. I've, I've, I've assembled a group to help me. Please, a family, a family. Mm, th- there we go, a family, yes. Uh, and, and these guests should be no strangers to you listeners out there uh, because, as you just heard, two of my guests have been with me for every lap of this journey as Dwayne Johnson has entered the Fastiverse. Whenever we talk about the Fast and the Furious, we need experts, we need aficionados, and you know I got two of those. From <laughs> Too Fast, Too Forever, the Joes are back. Joey Lewandowski and Joe Two. Yo, Joes, what's going on, brothers? Hello, Nate. Hello, 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 hello. It's good to be back, man. It's good to talk to you. I always like talking to you, so I'm glad to be here. Yes, it, I feel like the the little delay, the pause that that we put here on the Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show uh, during during these uncertain times, guys, it's just made today so much more special. Your <laughs> absence has made the heart grow fonder, and it's been it's been too long since since we've gone down these streets a quarter mile at a time. So I'm excited about talking about a film that I think is going to be maybe the most polarizing entry of the fast and furious, at least the ones we've talked about here on the show. Yeah, we, we definitely have, I don't know. I have, we've swung back and forth on, on fate a, a bunch since we've started. So I don't know how it's going to, what the temperature is going to be like in here today. Yeah. I, I'm excited. Cause I, I've got questions for you guys because I, okay. I've listened to you guys talk about this film and kind of maybe the evolution is a good word of your thoughts on the film. So I'm excited to get into that, but we also have a first time guest in the theater this month, ladies and gentlemen, because much like the family, when, when they got in trouble in fate of the furious, they reached out to a badass bald British man. <laughs> I feel like we too on this show must reach out to a badass bald British man. Now, granted, I don't know the current state of this man's hair follicles, but let's just go with it, people. Uh, because <laughs> this this guest is somebody that the Post audience should know very well. He is a part of the Grapple Podcast, as well as one of the preeminent members of the British wrestling experience here on Post Wrestling. Y'all give it up for Benno. Benno, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm great, Nate. Thank you for that that introduction. I'm going to have some things to say about uh, my bald British brother as we uh, we go through this movie. Um, sad, I, I don't know if it's sad or happy. I can still say I've got a, a nice ginger mane of, uh, of hair, so I'm not quite uh, on his level yet. But it's still, I'll take it. I, I think it's a compliment. It works. And we are family after all, mate. So, yeah, it's good to good to be in here uh, with you and, uh, yeah, with, with the, the esteemed royalty uh, in the two shows in the uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious universe. So, great to be here, mate. Yes, I'm glad glad we could finally make this happen, Benno. And before we get into some rock news, because we've actually got rock news this month on the program, I kind of want to take a step back with you in particular. And I'm going to let that plane go by. Now that was that was Dom and Cypher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to step back for a second with you, Benno, because we, we've talked to Joe and Joe, too, before about their experience with The Rock as an actor and that transition that he made from professional wrestling. But I don't think you and I have ever talked about your feelings about The Rock as an actor and how well do you think he kind of 
crossed over from being mm-hmm. the biggest star in the WWF at the time to now what we know as box office gold, box office Viagra. Uh, what's been your thoughts of Dwayne Johnson as an actor? Um, it took me by surprise, to be honest, because like I think we all, you know, we all knew the the Rock is you know the biggest star in wrestling, and the fact that he's like one of, if not the biggest star in movies at this point, is still feels a little bit weird. But I don't think it was guaranteed. That was the thing. I think we were all kind of following the news stories as he as he moved into acting, and I think some roles went better than others, didn't he? And there's all the stories about you know his previous agents or people advising him, you know, telling him to you know he cut really loads of weight at one point, didn't he? And he got really clean cut. And I think I feel like the Fast and Furious movies, like I wouldn't have put it together, but it was clearly like the the magic. It, it worked great for the Fast series and it worked great for Rock. Like it turned out, all he needed to do was yeah, shave that head like Jason Statham, put a put a few extra pounds of muscle on than, than he had there in his wrestling prime and just lean into being you know the alpha male type that he that he was always meant to be. And yeah, it's kind of crazy because you think of those those early roles he had, you know, whether it be in Scorpion King or when he tried to do you know more more serious uh, acting roles um as time went on and tried to frame himself you know in that way um you know there were obviously little bits where like say say a get smart where he was like a, a highlight of that and was quite funny and you know fun little roles in movies but i don't think the rock's uh film career is a success without this series and i don't think this series mm. becomes what it becomes without the rock so yeah it's kind of a, a match made in heaven and for me being obviously a big wrestling fan and a, a big fan of this series it's just absolutely perfect and yeah, it's been magic and has created millions of dollars since, so you can't call it anything other than success, I think, at this point. That's something that uh, the Joes and I talked about when they first came on to talk about Fast Five, where mm. not only was the series kind of undergoing this reboot, and mm. you know they were kind of going a little bit away from being strictly these movies about crooks and cars to street-level Avengers, which is where we are by the time we get to <laughs> Fate of the Furious, and with The Rock as well. Like, he's had some successes before the Fast mm-hmm. series, but I think it was just the perfect storm of mm-hmm. talent and vehicle, no pun intended, kind of meeting. And so, yeah, like, I think this, when it's all said and done, and this might sound crazy, and I'll put this to the Joes, when it's all said and done, in addition to everything he's done in wrestling, I think he might best be known for the character of uh, Lucas Rebecca Hobbs, even though we don't know about the Rebecca just yet. Uh, <laughs> I think like it, it's just a perfect melding of this guy with all this charisma and all this talent put in a series that allows him to do the things that he does because it bounces well off of, you know, your Vin Diesel's or your, your Tyrese's or, or, you know, Ludacris. And it just kind of works, even though maybe at first glance, you wouldn't think that it would work, guys. Well, you know, we were just talking about this on our show, uh, and I think The Rock is a little bit different here, but it feels like everybody in these movies is kind of best known or sometimes even only known for being these movies, right? Like Jordana Brewster is the actress from The Fast and the Furious. Tyrese is now Mm -hmm. the actor from The Fast and the Furious. And I think The Mm -hmm. Rock or Dwayne Johnson or whatever you want to call him, uh, you know, the the titular hero of the show – he is he's he's a bigger star than anybody in the franchise i think by an order of magnitude but i also do think that like if you have to say what's the one thing he's from it it might be this because you know everything else is the standalone one-offs like you know you had the scorpion king and stuff early on that you've covered already but now like the thing he keeps going back to the well he keeps returning to is this lucas rebecca hobbs role 
and I think it's the audience size too that like you know wrestling does mm. have a massive audience but you know when you're in summer blockbusters that are pulling in a billion dollars like Fast and Furious where like the only thing that you know they like they can one up marvel movies for how many people see them in a summer then like just like the scope on a worldwide scale is so huge that yeah i think that eventually he will be known as you know the rock from fast and the furious like people that mm-hmm. it's in the accessibility of it too like you know i know people that weren't fans of wrestling wrestling that are fans of fast and the furious but if you were a fan of the rock from wrestling you know it might have led you to the fast and the furious or sometimes there's a lot of overlap there but yeah i just think that like just audience wise like the fast and furious is seen by so many people that yeah it's hard to argue against that he's going to be known for these movies at least until he's the president of the united states yes exactly yeah. the rock <laughs> of the united states and also formerly of the fast and the furious yes. well and there, there is a step in between the Rock, formerly of the Fast and the Furious, and President Johnson. And and I think that step leads us to uh, Rock News, I guess we could call this this little segment real quick. Yo, pump it up. It's time for the news. Yo, we getting ready to bring you the news, boy. You need to know it. It's time. Because we know, Benno, The Rock has conquered the world of professional wrestling. Some would call it sports entertainment. We know The Rock has conquered Hollywood. We know The Rock has conquered the spirits market with, with that Terramana tequila. Yeah. But Dwayne Johnson is never one to rest on his laurels, Joe. Dwayne Johnson said, what else can I do? What, what more can I do? And the answer was right in front of him. The Rock looked in the mirror, took his face off, and grabbed the microphone <laughs> Because the hit of 2021, ladies and gentlemen, has to be Tech Nine's Face Off featuring Joey Cool, King Iso, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson in one of the weirdest bars I can remember in in recent hip hop history. Uh, and and we'll listen to a little bit little bit of it right here, and then come back on the other side because I want to get uh, the crew's thoughts about DJ uh, being an MC. <laughs> It's about drive, it's about power. We stay hungry, we devour. Put in the work, put in the hours, and take what's ours. Like in some more in my veins, my culture banging with strange. I change the game, so what's my motherfucking name? Rock! What they gonna get though? Desecration, defamation. If you wanna bring it to the masses, face to face, now we escalating. When I have to put boost the asses, mean on ya, like a dream. When I'm rumbling, you're gonna scream, mama. So bring drama to the king, Brahma. Why don't you an extreme mana? Thank you, Brother Tech Nine. Thank you, Terramana. One take. That's a wrap. Face off. So yeah, that was that was Dwayne Johnson right there dropping some hotness for you, Joey. Uh, it, it's about drive. It's about power. Uh, you and I spoke a little bit about this yeah. yesterday. So uh, I'll let you go first. What are your thoughts on Dwayne Johnson turned MC in uh, Tech Nine's Face Off? Well, you know. Artists in the Fast and Furious dabbling in music is nothing new. I mean, Tyrese came from music. We know that Vin Diesel has done music. Yeah. I think what The Rock does here is smart, that he is not put he's not putting pressure on himself, right? Like he is not to carry the track. It's not a solo track. He's the final verse in a group of, like you said, you know, four or five other rappers, right? Uh, 
I enjoyed it. I liked the song. I enjoyed his verse. I was like, okay, he's holding his own. He's doing pretty good. And then at the end, he thanks Terramana Tequila. And I was like, <laughs> Mr. Dwayne Johnson, I understand that you can do this, but do you have to do this? Why did you do this? It is a baffling decision that also somehow makes complete sense. Yes. That's the thing right there, Joey. Because, like, for me, Benno, like, mm. Anybody else that did exactly the same thing Dwayne The Rock Johnson did on his verse, they would they would never be allowed to pick up a microphone again. It's that, <laughs> it's that egregious. Like you actually cut a commercial in the mm-hmm. in the middle of your song, and yeah. I think the only reason Rock can get away with it, you know, yes, he got he got clowned, he got jokes, you know, people had jokes about the song, but for the most part, people are let, letting it slide. I think a it's the fact that. We just like Dwayne Johnson. Like, it's hard Mm. to dislike this dude. Uh, And so I think that likability goes a long way. But the other thing, as Joey mentioned, is this is completely on brand for this dude. Like, I've I've never seen a public figure. And Brian Mann and I talked about this when we talked about how Rock evolved, you know, hosting Saturday Night Live, where in the beginning he was kind of this superstar wrestler who was a bit awkward outside of that realm but hmm. the more and more he went back to snl the more and more polished he became for better or for worse and so here like yeah rock is totally polished almost to the point of being too polished and and bordering on being pretentious but it's on brand like he's one of the greatest salesmen i've ever seen in my life been yeah, the man's a walking Instagram post, isn't he? Like that's that's his yeah. entire life. Like it, it's funny because like I I've lost track of who he even is as a human being anymore, or as a wrestler, or as an actor. Like I'm guessing when we talk about the movie, you know, we can talk about the where does Hobbs stop and where does the Rock stop. I'm not mm. sure anymore compared to like a like a Fast Five. But you're right, it's even true in like his his wrestling appearances over the last few years. Like he's not really classic The Rock anymore. He's like this weird amalgamation with maybe this slightly phony smile but he gets away with it because he's cool and he's the rock and that's kind of the thing like with this song as well it's like he doesn't the thing i will say is whatever his self is now he's true to that you know he's not putting a voice on he's not trying to rap like anyone else right it's just the rock doing a rap and he's rhyming and it's <laughs> like you know he makes it work because he's the rock and mm. i mean one thing i would say is that i'm seeing a lot of disrespect out there for uh for wycliffe john and it doesn't matter as the uh the rock's first uh, rap appearance way back yes. in the day people are, yes. as old as me and you know or remember that one uh, and i didn't think in those days when i was uh getting getting mixtapes like swaying cake and king tech with uh with tech nine on that i'd never i'd ever find out that he'd be he'd doing a rap song with the rock and the rock would actually be cutting a verse well, maybe we should have seen this coming way back then because, yeah, The Rock can do whatever the hell he wants, I think, is uh, what we've learned over these last few years. And I think that's kind of what makes it work, even though it sh- probably shouldn't work, Joe, too, is that, yes, Dwayne is out here doing his 2021 Dwayne Johnson thing, but the track is solid, man. Like, mm. just as a song, it's a solid track, and Tech 9 and, and uh, Joey Cool and uh, King Iso, like, they are, they are not half-stepping. Like, they're not phoning in this song. Like, they're putting in work. So by the time we get to the very end, and it's Dwayne, and he's very much like Benno said, putting Instagram on wax. It's about drive. It's about power. I wake up in the morning. I devour. I take a shower. I, I, I lift weights because I'm great. Like, like, okay, Dwayne, we get it. You're great, man. We, we can't be you, Dwayne Johnson. But for whatever reason, Joe, it, it kind of works for me. It Okay, I'm... 
I never was a big fan of Tech Nine, just hmm. like in general. But um, I think that this more so works as a partnership. Like you guys were talking about how he pitches the tequila at the end, but I think it's like a perfect mesh of like. You're right. This is definitely a Tech Nine song that existed with the other guys on it, mm-hmm. and then Dwayne Johnson just adds a verse to it, which is like the perfect thing that we that you get. So it doesn't feel like The Rock is trying to start a rap career and got Tech Nine to like guest verse on one of his mm-hmm. songs. And like I think that that is the coolest part about it for me is like how much of like a interesting business play this is because it works for tech nine too because you got yeah. the rock on a verse so like people are obviously going to listen to this song and like he has a huge fan base and i'm sure that again that his fans like the rock as well and so like you you had a nice come together point where like maybe some people that are fans of the rock don't like like don't know who tech nine is or whatever like that but you're going to come see the song and mm-hmm. like the song is is a professionally made song. It's not just like, you know, the rock making a song that he wanted to make like as a, as like a vanity project. So it works on all parts. And, and again, then you sell the tequila at the end. It's just like, (laughs) yeah, man, it it just makes too much sense to me. So yeah, I I was happy with it. It was like the first time I like had heard about it. And then like, I kept putting off watching the video and I watched it and I was just like, yeah, this is fun, man. It seems like something that he wanted to do. And like, I can't hate ever hate on that. Right. Like if you're just doing like what you want, then just, yeah, it's fun. It feels kind of like some of The Rock's earlier movie roles where he's still kind of finding his voice as an actor, but you're surrounding him with all these veterans, you know, John Travolta, Uma mm-hmm. Thurman, uh, you know, people like that. And so he doesn't have to do a lot of the heavy lifting. He just has to be Dwayne. And I think it works like as much as I've got jokes about this song, Joey. Like, I'm not going to lie, like just listening to it so I could edit the clip for this show. It's a catchy tune, man, and I, I I can see myself on the exercise bike listening to Face yeah. Off and just feeling feeling that Terramana <laughs> going through my veins, man, and just feeling pumped because of Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Tech Nine. And the important I, thing is that he did it in one take, right? It's just thank you, Terramana. I one think take. he did too. It's like not on a cell. He like he's like I did it in one take, and I'm like I believe you. That sounds exactly right. He's like, Tech, I got 30 minutes to record for you. Yeah. This is yeah. all you're getting. <laughs> five for the video. Yeah, five for the video. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird, but it's, it's wonderful, which I think can encapsulate a lot of Dwayne Johnson's work over the years, man. So, yeah, even though we got jokes about face-off, like, good for you, Rock. Like, exactly. It, it's, mm. it's, it's a win-win all the way around. But speaking of music, fellas, this is a uh, – one of my favorite parts of the program, and I know the Joes enjoy this as well. It is now time for the Time Warp. And for those of you new to the program, and for those of you that, that forgot because we haven't been around for a little while, the Time Warp is where we take a look at what was going on in the culture at the time of the movie that we're reviewing. And that sounds very important and very highfalutin, Benno, but really it's just an excuse for me to play some songs on this podcast. (laughs) That's really all it is. Uh, And so the thing I always enjoy about doing these Fast and Furious reviews is they always give us a chance to play two songs because they always do two premieres. And so The Fate of the Furious was released in Berlin on April 4th of 2017 and then it had its North American premiere on April 14th of 2017 so we got two songs to think about this week fellas okay 
For our first track, we're going to the German singles chart, which is a sentence I did not think I would say <laughs> on this program. <laughs> but we live in uncertain times, Joey. So <laughs> on April, I'm ready for you to play some David Hasselhoff now. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Like, I don't know a lot about German music, Benno. Like, I'm, I'm going to be honest with the audience. And so I was expecting, you know, maybe a little Hasselhoff, maybe a little Ramstein. Like, they, didn't they have that Du Haas song back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like, that's about the extent of my German music knowledge. Uh, but I was surprised by the artist or artists uh, who had the top spot on the German singles chart on April 4th oh. in 2017. So I'll give you... One clue to start out with and see where you guys go with this. My clue, uh, and this might resonate a little bit more for for the Joes, is I'm not sure if this artist, or if these artists, because it's a duo. Uh, Not a a formal duo, but these are two guys that did a song together. I'm not sure if these two guys have been in a fast movie, but they certainly would not feel out of place in a fast movie, especially uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. That's my clue. Oh, okay. Florida duo. I was thinking Despacito is, but is that is that the right era? That's it's not April though. That's a summer. I know. I was thinking like Germany loves the game, like the rapper, the game. I know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, he still does concerts over there, like like tours just in Germany though. It's really strange. So uh, Black Hasselhoff. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like they fucking love him, so I was thinking it would have been the game, and he would fit. But no, now I'm because it's a duo, and I would see like the game in fifty. But is it know, okay? So is it, it? It's not an official duo, though, right? right? Like it's just, it's yeah. two individuals that that formed a group for this particular song. I'm I'm assuming, and I'm assuming it's a hip hop song. <sighs> There's a hip hop element to it. Oh boy, oh. that makes it worse. That's the, that's a clue that helps me less. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a hip hop element to it. Mm. And you, uh, here's something I will I will say. Just uh, this might help you out because I know you know you're thinking about seasons and times. Just remember these are the German charts, so times work different in Germany. Like what's hot in America, right, might have been hot in Germany hot. four yeah. months ago, or it might be hot six six months from now. So Nate, I need know. to remind you that I am not good at this. That I do not pay attention <laughs> to the music charts. Like, I have time. I know time. I do not know the music charts. So it means it's probably hot. So a rap in verse, a rap verse on a pop song is what I'm guessing. America from the year before. Yeah. Uh, I keep thinking like Dua Lipa, but I think that's probably before her, and she's yeah. been. Uh... Oh wait, I had an idea, but I don't know what it is. You're really close, Joey. Think. I'll say like you like the answers you said. Like you're you're in the right neighborhood. You're in the right neighborhood. Okay. So is it like a is it a is it two dudes or is it is it a woman and a man? Two dudes. I, that's that's the that's the, the farthest I'll give you. It's two two gentlemen. Okay. It's like Macklemore. No, we did Macklemore before. This is post Macklemore. <laughs> yeah, the Macklemore bubble has burst by this point. Yeah, definitely. Two dudes. One a rapper, probably one not a rapper. Hmm. It's not Vin featuring The Rock. No, because they're not. I mean, they would fit, but no. Nate, what what percentage of your guests actually get these right? The uh, it's funny. The the only person who has ever guessed right on the first guess was Marcus Vanderberg, my 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 former tag team partner from the Kings of Sport. Who I think the movie was Gridiron Gang, and I was like, 
what was the number one movie this summer gridiron gang came out this week or the week the gridiron gang came out and he was like justin timberlake sexy bag i was like how the hell did you know that and he's like well i was in college at the time and that was the summer and so makes sense man definitely makes sense i'm trying to think know. so you got, you like got this- any guesses benno See, I was going to go something Ed Sheeran because I know it's a it's a big Ed Sheeran year, twenty seventeen. Oh, um, again, we're, we're a bit behind the year of Sheeran. Yeah, but I don't think that fits the uh, the parameters you've given. Mm. Now, when you say it fits too fast, are you saying like a southern rapper or just like uh... just kind of the Miami of it all? And okay. That, I... That that's I guess that's the closest I would describe it. Just is it someone featuring Pitbull? I was gonna say Pitbull as soon as you said that. Yeah, is it Pitbull? You you guys are so close. Because he should have been in a fast movie by now. How's that not happening? You really should have. I think I think is Mr. Worldwide. I think it confuses people. He's too similar looking to Vin Diesel. I think to like a and The Rock. (laughs) Like if you like kind of like mesh them together, like face match them. Yeah, (laughs) drop a couple hundred pounds. (laughs) It's the worst reboot of multiplicity ever. Is it like Daddy Yankee? <laughs> That's a good guess. No. You're in the right, Joey. You're in the right neighborhood. French in Montana. Little, in Little Havana, as we're racing through Little Havana <laughs> yes. in Alligator Alley en route to rescue Carter Verone's cigar. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be going too fast thinking about this question, though, Joey. You might need to go a little more slowly. Slow. Slowly. What was the song about dancing slowly? There was a song about dancing slowly. It's Glenn Hansard from the musical Once, Falling no. Slowly. No, 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 no. <laughs> Featuring Pitbull. Yes. Hip hop remix. It's, we said Despacito, though, right? I did say Despacito. That was my yeah. first guess. Yeah, I thought it would have been mine. Well, here's the thing. You said Despacito, but you didn't say it with confidence. Oh, you didn't say it like you didn't say it like you wanted to lock it in for your answer. But if that is your answer, is that your final answer, Despacito? Yeah, that would be my final answer for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the number one single on the German singles chart on April fourth of twenty seventeen was Despacito. Oh, so Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee. So yes, Daddy yeah, Yankee, okay. you're right. Yeah, you were you right there, but you like you didn't say it with confidence, Joey. Well, I, you know, I, I'm used to playing games with Joe where I need to like nothing is him all the way through. <laughs> and be like, no, 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 no. Hold on, we need to walk this back. <laughs> where so, if he's in the ballpark, if he's just like, I don't know, Justin Bieber, be like, yeah, you got it. <laughs> but, yeah, so like, like I was, so, I was like, Despacito was number one on the German charts. Like that's that's an accomplishment, Louis Fonzi and Daddy Yankee. Uh, so that was what was going on in Germany the week before. The next week, though, fellas, we, we had to come back to America for the Billboard Hot 100. And this song had a monster year. And uh, it was in the midst of a run at the top of the charts. 
Any guesses for uh, the the number one song in America at the time, April fourteenth, twenty seventeen? I'm gonna guess. Here's the the clue I'll give you. This person may have been mentioned already. Oh, I was gonna say I guess. I always guess Rihanna. One of these times is gonna be (laughs) Rihanna, but I don't think we've said her yet. (laughs) No, and we're kind of past Rihanna too. She's no, man, we're makeup. never past Rihanna. We're she's, always she's selling makeup by now, though. Like she's not like putting out Savage hits. Fenty, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, we might have named this person. The, yes, Pitbull. This, so this uh, Pitbull this person, this I believe. I don't know if it was it was one of the Joes or if it, it could have been Benno, but somebody brought this man. Cheering, then at cheering. Any any song in particular? The Shape of You. Ooh. Joey, Joey Lewis, oh, gentlemen. <laughs> two, two. The number yeah. one song on the Billboard Hot 100, April 14th, 2017, in the middle of a seven-week run at the top. Whew. Ed Sheeran, The Shape of You. Mm-hmm. I'm in love with the shape of you. We push and pull like a magnet do. Although my heart is falling too. I'm in love with your body. And last night you were in my room. And now my bed sheets smell like you every day. Here's the thing, guys. Like, I think you're never too old to learn a lesson, Benno. Mm. I'd forgotten about this song. And so when I'm doing the research, I'm looking it up, and it's like Ed Sheeran's Shape of You. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to be a great song to play because I can't remember it. And so I'm looking like what was yeah. number one the week before, the week after, and it's just like Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> like, like two, three, two or three weeks from now, uh, Kendrick Lamar's "Humble" is number one. I'm like, okay. can I lie to the people and just tell them "Humble" was number one because nobody's gonna go back and research it? But I, I had to be honest. And so I'm like, okay, I'll just go and download this Ed Sheeran song so I can throw it on the podcast, even though I'm probably not gonna enjoy it, Benno. But then. Again, don't judge a book or a singer. Don't judge a bloke by his cover, Benno. Because <laughs> I heard this, I heard the opening notes of this song, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember this one." Like, and Ed Sheeran got a little flavor to him. So, "Shape of You," number one song in the country for weeks and weeks on end. See, I can't believe he got you guys as well. Like, I just thought it was living in the UK. We were overrun with Ed Sheeran songs. I think he had all 15 number ones that year. Like, I'm being, again, as I mentioned earlier, being a redheaded Englishman, the amount of, oh, you look a little bit like Ed Sheeran comments I get during that period. It wasn't a good period for me, Nate. It's, it's bringing back horrible memories. I think, you know, it could have been the best period. For, you know how many opportunities, Benno? How many, how many <laughs> pub dates you could have booked as an Ed Sheeran stand-in? <laughs> See, I would have taken Macklemore. Like, I could have done that. Ed Sheeran, though, I don't know. I can't, I can't pull those songs off. <laughs> yeah, so Shape of You was uh, the number one song. Like, yeah, just a monster song that wow. I'd completely forgotten about from five, six years ago. Uh, so now, speaking of monster, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get to the budget game. And since this is a Fast and Furious film, we know it made money because uh, I can't remember. And I was talking with Benno before we started recording, Joe's like, I can't remember the last fast movie that didn't make money or did make a bunch of money. And so like all of them from five on have been massive hits. The question is how big of a hit? So the budget for the fate of the furious was $270 million. That's so much money. 
can so we much guess? money. So much money, but still somehow just a drop in the bucket for this franchise. Uh, what is your guess? As well, I remember the last one broke a billion, right? Yeah, first, Series 7 was like 1-1 one, one, or 1-2 one, or 1-3. Mm. And this is not mm. that. I'm guessing it's going to – we're we talking global or we're talking domestic? Worldwide. What do we do? Yep. Global. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. I'm going <laughs> to say – I think it's between 7 and 8 if I remember. 100 million? Yeah, yes. I thought it was close to I, – I was going to go 900 because I felt like it was just under a – billion no i'm gonna say 740 okay yeah i remember it being down from seven because seven was obviously the whole paul walker thing kind Mm of mobilized people but i know it did well if i was gonna guess i'd say closer to a billion Mm. here's the thing fellas like you're all right that this movie made all the money in the world but somehow you you you've given it all the praise and still underestimated the power of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the really? power of Vin Diesel, and the power of Charlize Theron and her questionable hair choices in this film. Because <laughs> I was surprised, too, because I thought there was a bit of a dip from the last movie. And I guess there was a bit of a dip, but not that much of a dip, because on a $270 million budget, Fate of the Furious Worldwide made $1.2 billion, insane. gentlemen. That's insane. Oh, my God. Fuck. The millions, millions of dollars, 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 millions of dollars. Yeah, like a billion in profit, almost. That's crazy. Ridiculous. Insane. And then again, like I thought that it took a step back. Uh, Same. Financially, mm. and also, you know, as we can get into now, we can talk about the movie, fellas. Like. And I'll, I'll be upfront. Like I, for the longest time, had this movie ranked near the bottom of my list of sure. the fast films. It's it's probably come up a little bit after rewatches, but it's still not like it's still not in my top half of my Fast and Furious films. Uh, but I want to I want to get your thoughts. Particularly, we can start with we can start with uh, the Joes because you guys have watched this film more times than probably anybody on, on the <laughs> earth. Uh, and I know you've had thoughts back and forth about Fate of the Furious. So kind of tell us what, what like, where are you right now with, with this film? I I feel a little bit better now that Nine came out. Mm. Like, I definitely feel better. Like, we were talking about it and we're like, you know, we were hoping that Charlize coming back in Nine, that was always Joey's big pitch, is that, like, Charlize coming back in Nine will hopefully reinvigorate something that from eight to make us kind of like it more. And I think that, I don't know if he inceptioned that thought into my brain or not, but I I feel like I'm coming around on that thought. And I think that I want to see where it plays out as we keep going and get to 10, one, 10, two, or whatever, X, X, two, um, X, two, X-Men United. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I mean, if we're going to call it X and we keep going with the goofy fucking names of these movies, like, it got to be X2, right? Or we could do FX and FXX and we can have an always sunny cross. Oh, that's a good good one, too. Um, But yes, I hope that, like, it fits better in the scale. And I think when I was thinking about it right before we were recording, I think that actually Hobbs and Shaw did the most justice for this movie. Mm. Because, like, we were talking, like, this is kind of the beginnings of the swirlings of Hobbs and Shaw 
And watching it in that context, I like it a lot more than I did definitely when it came out and Hobbs and Shaw wasn't out. And now with Nine and Charlize continuing on that direction too, I'm like, oh, I could see bits and pieces that like are are now spidering in different mm-hmm. directions from this. So yeah, I, I feel a lot better about it than I did. I, I agree with you though. I'm still, it's in my bottom half, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm much better on it than I was when we started this, I think. Mm. What about you, Joey? It was when I saw it for the first time in theaters, my least favorite of the movies. And it felt dishonest or not earned that, that Dom would turn against the family. And Mm-hmm. The more we talk about the movie, I like it more, and I think I like it more now than I ever have. I think part of it is what Joe said about, you know, I always wanted, like, because the, the Charlize, the Cypher story in this is unfinished, right? She jumps out of plane. There's not really an end to the movie, right? Or at least in terms of her story, just the villain goes on. And F9, which I guess you won't cover, spoiler, for this podcast, because <laughs> The Rock's not in that. No, that, that, really... that's going to be the uh, the debut episode of Cena Cinema. Ooh, <laughs> oh, love that. <laughs> I do like that. Uh, you know, it doesn't really advance that story, which is frustrating, but it mm-hmm. at least makes eight worth it. And I think eight is an interesting and sort of unfortunate movie in a lot of ways because it's the one that probably, in spite of what the writers say, I can't imagine how much it changed with the plan they probably had for the Brian character that they can't do anymore. Right. They probably had with the Mia character that they can't really do anymore with a director who has never done one of these movies before that they probably wanted to get Justin Lin back, but you know, he was doing other stuff. We will talk about the, the F Gary gray of it all a little bit later. And I think it's, it's got a lot going against it, but I think, especially if you watch the extended version, which is like two and a half hours, most of like two fifteen or whatever, mm-hmm. what they add makes it more fun, makes it better, adds more family stuff. And I think makes it a movie that's, still probably in the bottom half, but more closer to the middle of the movies, mm-hmm. I think, than at the bottom. Because I think that there's a lot to like here, anchored really by the chemistry between like the, the sort of prequel energy of Hobbs and Shaw, right? Because mm-hmm. I think them, they I don't know if they found that in the writer's room, I don't know if they found it on set or in the edit or whatever, but it's very clear at some point they're like, oh, these two guys have it. Like yeah. this is something that works together well, Let's throw them in a room, have them make fun of each other, have them be tough with each other, you know, have them have fun with each other, and then let's just see where this goes. And if nothing else, this movie gave you know gave us a world with Vanessa Kirby, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, shout out to Fade the Furious for that. Yeah, this this film, and, and uh, we can turn it over to uh, Brother Benno here in a second because I think one of my favorite parts of this movie that I am kind of like I wouldn't say I'm down on it, but it's 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 not on the same level as where I'd place five or six or seven. Uh, but I think one of the better parts of this film is the inclusion of, of all of these British folks where we've, we've got more time with the Shaw family. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, a knock I held against this movie was that the family, I, I thought the family was way too quick to embrace uh, Deckard into the fold like yeah yeah spoiler alert yeah you saved uh you know dom's kid but you also killed han buddy so you yeah two wrongs two uh wrong and a right don't equal a right it equals like some vince russo shades of gray bro <laughs> so you don't you don't just get to come to the cookout sir uh you know so uh what, yeah. what did you think about this film in general and uh you know kind of the inclusion of shaw as a main character been up 
Yeah, I, I come to this movie and I think the first time I saw it with a lot of baggage. Like I am one of those big hashtag justice for hand guys. That was me on Twitter. I was one of those guys who was not happy about this movie when it came out. Like it felt like a slap in the face at, at the time. Mm-hmm. I think like the guys have said since nine has uh, has came out and maybe put some of that to bed, but but not quite. And you know, with with a bit of bit of you know, time heals all wounds, doesn't it, Nate? So there is that too. Like I, I rewatched it this time with maybe that baggage removed and gave it a little bit more of a chance, but it does always hit me. It's the cookout. It's the, it's, it feels very mechanical, this movie in a lot of ways. It feels very, you know, the, the guy said there about, you know, it's, it's kind of a launch of pub for Hobbs and Shaw, but it felt like that was all the studio really cared about. It was like, okay, mm. we can, we can turn Shaw baby face. We can make a load of money with, with him in the rock. Ah, be gone with logic. Let's just, he's the good guy now. And we've got this other series. We can make a load of money off. And I think that that's it's just, it all feels a little bit false for me. This movie, it's like the actors are here. The characters are here. Mm. But is the family here? Is Fast here? Does it feel like a like a Fast and Furious movie? And that is where it loses loses me. It feels a little bit soulless, and maybe mm. for a hardcore Fast and Furious fan, at least you know, for me personally, coming into this movie with all that baggage and you know expecting maybe something out of these movies, you know, on the family side that I didn't get. I was very disappointed with this movie when it came out, but maybe with rewatches and with time, I'm healing a little bit more, but. Yeah, that's kind of my take on it. It's a very, it's a very emotional take for me. It's still a raw subject, Nate. Mm. I think one of the things you brought up there, Benno, resonates with me because I think there is a lot of this movie that, while I enjoyed some of the action set pieces and I enjoy some of the interplay within the family, I'm not as connected as I was emotionally to some of those earlier entries in the series. But I will say, Joe, like uh, one of my favorite scenes happens early on in the movie. And it it does kind of harken back to those earlier fast films where uh, Dom and Letty are in their honeymoon, on their honeymoon in Havana. And we get the obligatory street race pitting Dom against Raldo, apparently the the king of Cuban street races. <laughs> and I like I love this race, guys, like the flaming car and and like the, the, the you know, Raldo's like got all these dudes in Havana who are trying to, you know, keep Dom from winning and the way Dom ends up winning. And then there's like this big uh, pro wrestling, almost respect angle uh, after the race with Dom and Raldo Joe too. So like, that's a really great opening for me in terms of, you know, yes, this movie is going to be a little bit different in some cases, maybe a little bit darker than previous entries in the series, but at the core, like it's still about the family. We always laugh. Cause we're like, I do think this is a great opening for the movie, and it is one of my favorites. It really is. I think just, like, the way it plays out, just, like, you know, you start on that kind of, like, sentimental note, and then you get the fun race, and it's kind of low stakes, right? Like, this this isn't something, yeah. like, they're not saving the world immediately as we get into it. So that that's comforting. And, like, the whole, like, Cuban Nos, like, he uses, like, the the laughing gas and, like, the pull the pot like the tab of the coke can and things like this like i agree i like all of these things but we always laugh at it because it feels like because if you look at it from the outside it always feels like vin diesel just wanted to go to cuba <laughs> right like he just he just was looking for a reason to put these because like cuba had just opened so mm, like he just yeah. wanted to go to cuba and i'm like okay like and and that actually kind of makes it more like charming to me like he just wanted to like go there and like showcase like surprise Dom didn't turn to the screen like thanks Obama 
Yeah, yeah, right? Like something, that's what I'm saying. Like it feels like that. And we're always like laughing because like it's such a like an Adam Sandlery move of like, you know, just mm. taking your family on vacation to where you wanted to go. Like, yeah, if we shoot the beginning in Cuba, like I'm definitely down for another one of these. And like, but yeah, it's great. It's a great opening. I, I always really enjoy it. I, I do like this one a lot. And like, it's weird that he just wrecks his cousin's car and then like gives him the car. Like the whole race was for not. So yeah, yeah. well, it, it was about respect, Joe. Exactly, it like... was about respect. <laughs> and 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 the thing I like about this, Joey, like, yeah, this is just kind of a fun throwaway scene in some respects, but it does play into the finish of the movie, so to speak. Well, I where think that... we see these characters come back because they do have respect. Yes, and I think the other thing that it does, and I don't think this can be overstated enough, is that in a movie that you know all of us basically said this is not our favorite Fast and Furious movie, I think this is without a doubt the best scene in the movie, and I think it's the most mm. Fast and Furious thing in the movie. Yeah, and I think starting with something in a new place, but something that you know and love and love to watch, does it well, and then right, like it's the family, it's bringing Raldo back, it's bringing everybody back. It's just you know be good to the people around you, and they will treat you well in return when you need their help. Yes, and this this all brings us to uh, another, another life lesson. You know, we talked earlier about how you're always learning lessons, and a lesson I learned from this movie is if I'm ever in Cuba and I go to the store to buy a baguette for some reason. <laughs> and a rose. Don't forget <laughs> and, the rose. And a rose, yes. I'm buying a baguette and a rose for whatever reason. Don't talk to strangers, because this is where we meet Cypher, our our big bad of the film, and uh, she is portrayed by uh, Charlize Theron. And I don't want to say this as a way of, you know, kind of disrespecting Charlize, because I think she's great, and she's great in almost everything. But I don't know if the movie knows what they want us to feel about Cypher. Mm -hmm. So now we have done... Joe's been on a guest on a couple episodes, but on the Cage Club Podcast Network, uh, Mike Manzi, who's been a resident historian, Mike Manzi, from our podcast, he's done a whole lap with us. He and I did an entire podcast about all of Charlize's movies. Mm. And so we are well, well versed and experienced and knowledgeable about her body of work. And so when they announced, this is before we started too fast, but when they announced that she was joining the Fury, Fast Furious, we we're like, oh my God, like we both love this franchise. She's great. This is going to be amazing. And then to see her here bouting cliches and really so aimless flat. and so like joe's flat. joe's big question it feels like in maybe all nine movies all 10 movies is like what is her motivation here and mm -hmm. the only thing that i can possibly say is accountability because that's what she says i don't know what that means i don't know if she knows what that means i don't know if the writers <laughs> know what that means but she says you know i i'm looking for accountability blah 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 whatever and I don't know. Like it, it should be a slam dunk to mm -hmm. hire Academy Award winner Charlize Theron for your movie, and then to have her here be a C tier villain. It's like, and then mm -hmm. ostensibly the big villain for the entire franchise. Maybe it's like, what? What? How did how did you swing and miss this hard? It just, it, it also feels kind of like. Well, I was gonna say, Joe. It also kind of feels. It feels like they. They had the character in mind before the actress, if that makes any sense. Sure. Where this does not feel like a Charlize Theron role. Like this, this cipher as written in this particular motion picture, Joe, it feels like, and I, I don't want to say this in a disrespectful way, but cipher feels like she should be like a 20-year-old. Like, you know, the 20-year-old that's just gone to college and has all these ideas about the world based on one mm. semester of 
you know, sociology, uh, one semester of history, and there needs to be accountability and the world. You're either a sheep or, or, or a wolf. And, like, it, it feels very much like this, like Charlize Theron is a grown-ass woman is what I'm trying to say. And this <laughs> character does not feel like a grown woman con- concocting a, a grown woman plan. With the grandiose ideas, yeah, yeah, I get it. I I definitely get it. And this is yeah, this is like my biggest, always my biggest qualms with this movie is that I don't even I give her the out. I give Charlize the out that I think that the character is meant to play very flat, mm. but the lack of like tangible um motivation really gets me because like in every other movie you know you're trying to find a thing or stop a virus or mm-hmm. get a person back and losing just that like if they gave her like any trinket to be chasing right like i guess get, we get like the nuclear football or whatever but we don't know like what what she's trying to do why she actually wants this and like even in f9 like to go ahead a little bit and like spoil but like even in F nine, she doesn't really have like a direct mode. Like, what is her role in this? Like, what is she trying to actually accomplish? And like, even if she's just like, I want to take over the world. Like, that would solve this issue for me to be like, okay, like it. That's that's what she's trying to do. But like, giving it this weird, vague accountability type explanation, it's it feels like yeah, you're right. Like what Joey was saying. Like the there's somebody maybe Nate that the writers didn't really know what they wanted from her. And I think that she plays the character great because, like, you know, she's, like, very rigid mm-hmm. and, like, calculated and, like, binary – like, ones and zeros. You know, she's a hacker. I get that part. But, like, then it also comes across really flat as a character on screen. And she has so much ability and range that, like, she – if we open this character up, I think we would have benefited greatly as fans. Oh, she's like evil bit... for evil's sake, I was going to yeah. say. Like, I, I, she's yeah. just – that. she's bad because she's bad and – also, she's in like to what you guys are saying. She's in the movie because she's a big name, you know. Mm-hmm. She's in the name that that's kind of like this, you know. Fast and Furious is my happy place, and every time, like I say, <laughs> I come to Fate of the Furious with this baggage, and then it always catches me by surprise, you know, the opening scene and how much I remember every time. Around, oh yeah, I do love this opening scene. Okay, yes, they mm-hmm. the cousin feels a little bit magicked up, like they've just invented them out of nowhere, but that's okay. We're in <laughs> yeah. Cuba and it feels like a fast movie. And then as soon as Charlie Theron appears on, on screen, I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember why I don't like this movie. And it's not her <laughs> fault. It's not her performance. It's no. just like I say, it's the it's the reasoning behind it that's lacking, and that's where that's where it fails, and that's where it starts to feel less like a fast movie. It's like it is, it's downhill from here, I think. Yeah, I, I was gonna bring it to a wrestling context, Benno, because I think you're on to something where like she feels like a one-dimensional heel. Like mm. there's no spark in the character. Yeah. And so it's it's like especially when we get to the the point where Dom is turned against the family. Like it just mm. a lot of this doesn't work for me. Uh but really quick, you know, because I feel like we've talked a bit about this movie, but but we need to give some credit to the to the cast, to the family, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, we got Ben Diesel returning as Dom Toretto. We got Dwayne Johnson as Luke Hobbs. We got Jason Statham as Deckard Shaw, Michelle Rodriguez as Letty. Tyrese Gibson. Oh, we've got Tyrese Gibson commentary mm-hmm. coming, folks. Tyrese Gibson <laughs> as Mr. Roman Pierce. We got Ludacris as Tej. We've got uh uh Scott Eastwood as Little Nobody. And I've got thoughts on Scott Eastwood. He feels very <laughs> like I, I'm 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 gonna save my thoughts because I I feel like they, they set Scott Eastwood up in a bad position. 
Uh, we've got uh, uh, we've got uh, Natalie Emmanuel back as Ramsey. We've got uh, Kurt Russell as Mister Nobody. Charlize Theron, as we mentioned, as Cipher and uncredited. Uh, we've got the the fabulous uh, Miss Helen Mirren as Mama Shaw in this picture. Uh, but there are two gentlemen, and I've talked about these two gentlemen before with Joey and Joe. When they showed up in this movie, every quibble, every qualm, every criticism I had of this movie washed away for about 45 seconds. When Tigo and Omar showed up in New York City, I was like, ah, my two favorite characters that haven't been around for at least two films are back for one scene. And it made me so happy to see these guys tied back into the family. But, uh, like, this cast is so good, it's it almost is a shame, and, and that's, that's probably too harsh. I'm probably being too harsh here, Joey. It's, it's, it's a shame, in my opinion. Like, the movie doesn't support the stars. Like, the movie, I think, it, it fails the stars. And I don't know if that's a script thing, if that's an F. Gary Gray thing, and I love a lot of, of F. Gary Gray's work, but I don't know, like, why doesn't this hit as much as, you know, five or six or seven? You know, I mentioned it earlier. I really don't think you can overstate enough how much again in spite of what they say how much the death of paul walker irrevocably Mm -hmm. changed this franchise that we've had a guest on there who on our show on too fast you forever who was saying that she thought that the baby subplot in this movie of elena being kidnapped by cypher and dom turning against the family to rescue this woman who like we hadn't really thought about in a couple movies and a baby we never knew before Mm -hmm. that at the end of seven or in the middle of seven like one of the dramatic beats in furious seven is that mia says she's pregnant and so it's right there like it's right there Mm -hmm. for the writers to be like hey let's take mia and then that gives dom and brian both a reason to turn against the family because it's a sister it's the way it's the the wife the girlfriend whatever Mm -hmm. and then paul is killed in a car car crash and I don't know, you know, they had talked about possibly ending the franchise, like not even finishing seven, because they're like, how do you go on without your star? Like he was like part of like our literal family, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that they, what we have here is kind of a mess, but I think it's sort of maybe a best case scenario. It's just unfortunate. And I don't know if it's a, mm-hmm. I don't know if F. Gary Gray can't, I don't think it's the direction. I do think, I mean, it's not not the direction. But I think it's mostly just the story is just I don't want to see Dom against the family. I want to see the family together taking on some big bad. I don't want to see. Especially in the wake of seven. Yeah. Yeah, We've already lost one. Like, why why do we want to lose Dom? It leaves the family in shreds, doesn't it? Like, who's actually left then? That that becomes a problem. Like, yeah, I kind of think as well, like with seven, as much as I love it and as much as it hits me, you know, an emotional way every time I watch it. I think it was, I don't know. I think that movie with Justin Lid having left and, you know, James Wan having to step in, he does as good a job as he can. But in a way, I kind of, it's horrible to say it, but I think, you know, the death of Paul Walker kind of covers some of the cracks in Seven because we're also pulled into it emotionally and it becomes something bigger than the movie itself. Mm -hmm. And then Eight is the first time, okay, now we haven't got Paul Walker. Now we haven't got Justin Lin either. Let's see what we can do with a fast movie with the pieces are left. And then, as you say, you take Vin Diesel out of the core of the family and put him on the other side as well. That's three things going against it. Then when they already had two, they were fighting against. And yeah, it, it becomes an uphill climb from that point. The more we're talking about it, the more it, it kind of, you know, clicks. Like that's, it's, it's, a, it's a problem that can't be fixed because, mm-hmm. you know, Paul's not coming back. 
And I think, I think, you know, to your point nine, I think that's a better job than eight. And, you know, maybe part of that is, uh, you know, Justin coming back. But I think that when you look at eight, it's not a bad movie. You know, I will say as, as down as I sound talking about it, like it's not a bad movie. Like no. I'll still watch this over dozens of similar movies that came came out around the same time in 2017. But when I look at it on the list of fast movies, it's near the bottom because I, I feel like part of why I come to these movies, Joe, is not just because of the action, not just because of the explosions. It's because you want to see this family and it does feel like the family splintered. And I, I don't know if, if story-wise they did enough to make it make sense. You know, I, I don't think they did. Like, I think the Elena of it all was, was kind of head scratching too the first time I watched it. Cause I tried to like, I, like, did I miss something? Did I forget the time frame of yeah. between five, six, seven, and eight? Like when did she had his baby? Like what's going on here? And, and so like, I think there was a, they did the best they could. I, I think Joey said that a little while ago, like the, they did the best they could. It's just when you come off of that high, so to speak of seven, it's like, Oh yeah. Like this, this isn't it. Like you were giving me steak and now you give me steakums and steakums, steakums can be good. Joe too. Like, like, don't get me wrong on a rainy Saturday, a steakum and, and some crinkle fries can hit the spot, but it ain't a damn steak, man. I, I think that one of the reasons why I've come around so hard on this, and I think mm. I can finally pinpoint it, is that, like you guys are saying, we don't like the Dom against the family aspect of it. But now that they did it, I'm like, good, they can't do this again, so we got it out of the way. <laughs> so I'm, like, at least comforted yes. in the fact to be like, okay, we did that. So, like, we're not going to get a movie. Like, And I think that, you know, we talked about this before, I think that um, – at least Justin Lin, but I'm sure the, all the writers and stuff are, they kind of pay attention to the audience, right? Like, mm. like if you saw a nine, a nine is a lot of fan service. It's a lot of things that we've asked for online or, you know, in yeah. forums, whatever. So I think that also the reception to eight and what we say about eight ha- has been noted and they're not going to try to do that again. Like they're just like, okay, we missed a little bit on that one course. Correct. They come back and I, that's part of the reason why I do love this franchise so much. Because I think that, like, when stuff hits and you're like, oh, we loved Han. Okay, cool. Then Han's not dead anymore. That, mm. That's it. That, we'll just give you more Han then. And, like, mm-hmm. they do this consistently. So I think that, like, knowing that they, they had so many missteps in here or things that we don't like about it, then, like, we just kind of wash that out. Like, we're not going to get that again. And I'm like, cool. Like, we were just past it. And with Nine, I think that you see that, like, they didn't do any of those things again that we weren't like very happy about. And it turned out to be much more of what I wanted and much more enjoyable for me as a fan. Mm. So Joey, let's, let's get, let's get a little deeper into this plot because the, the <laughs> meat of this story is we've got Cypher who's kidnapped Dom, uh, you know, never should have gone out for those baguettes, brother. Uh, she kidnaps Dom and turns him against the family. And so the family who are now working, uh, alongside Mr. Nobody and this organization that's not S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's really S.H.I.E.L.D.-ish, uh, they have to put together a team to take down Cypher. And Mr. Nobody's like, the only way we can do this is by bringing in Jason Statham, Deckard Shaw, the guy that y'all hate from the last couple movies. And so we've got this back and forth, and 
you know, getting to the Dwayne the Rock Johnson of this film, like there's so much of this film that is played in the relationship between Hobbs and Shaw. Almost, you know, now, now that Benno said it earlier, I can't get it out of my head. Like this is a backdoor pilot for the movie that would become Hobbs and Shaw. And so what, what did you make of kind of the nobody stuff, the, the Hobbs that we get in this movie who has a little bit more to do than in previous films? And, of course, the inclusion of uh, one Mr. Deckard Shaw. You know, I love Mr. Nobody. I loved him in Seven. I like him here. I wish there was more. I mean, he kind of is throughout, but I, I get that he's used appropriately sparingly here. I, I miss him in Nine, even though he's kind of a plot device in Nine. I think I think the same way that you were saying before, that when Rico and Tego showed up, or what was it, Rico and Santos, what's their, what are, what's their official names, Joe? Rico, Rico and Santos. Rico and Santos. Yeah, that's, that's the official <sighs> nine, nine written on the screen names. That we've, okay. <laughs> Leo and Santos. Leo and Santos. Yes. Leo and Santos. Sorry, I knew Santos was one. Oh, Jesus. It's so, they've so they've had three names. different names. It's terrible. Yes. <laughs> and that's not us. That's just credited Them. as three different things. Yeah. Yeah. I love when when they bring characters back that you're not expecting or that makes sense to bring back. Like, I think having Mr. Nobody be the focal point here and being the one to you know, rally the troops and like bringing Deckard back because he's the only other one who found Dom is like, is that true? Like, all right. Like, that's fine. <laughs> like it makes enough sense to be like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. What about you, Benno? How, how did you feel about uh, this, uh, this team up with, with nobody and, and Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah. I think nobody's the, the one where like, yeah, you know, Kate Russell comes into our, our fast universe and I was kind of side-eyeing him and he's just so good in the series that it's like, okay, I like him now as, as mm-hmm. part of this overall universe and like the guys say, it kind of he's, he's an easy way to pay for the cracks sometimes as we, we find in, uh, in Fast 9 you know, you can use him as a device, so yeah I missed the nobody sort of that I was, and it's easy enough isn't it, to, to get to the end result um, yeah I, I think it it works. I think he, you know, got the whole, you know, prison break stuff and, you know, but using that as a, as a way to, to create more of this almost sexual tension between Hobson Shaw and, you know, oh, yeah. lead us down this road to this eventual team. Oh, there's a lot of it there. Um, I think that works too. I'd still, you know, it's, it, it is the baby face sort of Deckard Shaw. It's the, uh, it's yeah. the Shaw washing that we have in this movie. That's, uh, <laughs> that's hard to take because it's like, so hang on, you guys are, are happy to team up. You're happy to work with this guy. Do we, do we mm. not, you know, never mind the hand stuff. I'm pretty sure like he killed an entire hospital full of people at one point, you know, yeah. there's loads of those little plot points that we're kind of losing. And it does, I think, undermine the credibility of, you know, of the, yeah, the, um, the Hobbs character and of, yeah, the Mr. Nobody character as well. The thing about it is, though, is, is Jason Statham is just, he's so entertaining, isn't he? And he's so yeah. good. And you can, you can understand the studio's want to make him a baby face to, like I say, to, to show watch these movies and pretend we didn't see all those things in the previous films. But like I say, I, I, I couldn't quite let it go the first time I watched it. Now the Hobbs and Shaw is out and we're getting him a bit more exploration and mm. I think it's it's working for me a little bit more but you know as far as that like their individual interactions like if I watched this movie blind and didn't come into it as a fast fan like it probably would be the thing I'll be talking about coming out of it because they are all in their own way great and they do work and off each other really well in these movies and and to be fair Joe too like that's kind of a trope in these films is the redemption arc where yeah. mm. whether you're an outright villain like Shaw or an antagonist like Hobbs like if the audience likes you enough, you'll be brought into the family at some point. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, Benno, the way that I always, like, sell this 
is that ultimately um, Shaw is still doing what we expect our family would do, which is he was looking out for his brother. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you kind of like logic it, like he was trying to take care of Owen Shaw and like they came after Owen and he's just trying to get revenge for Owen, then it it doesn't actually patch it because, you know, like that's not who we're following. And like, sure. you know, we love Han, but like this, it kind of makes sense. He's like he's like the anti Dom in the same mm-hmm. like he just he just moving parallel doing the same things. But he's just our antagonist, and mm. like he could be his own hero in that story if we would have had it from the Shaw perspective, you know. So that's how I kind of like get around the justice for Han things in my head. And now, like you know, we've kind of washed it out. So, but I think if you look at it from that perspective, it 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 gives you kind of an out. At least for me, mentally, mm. it gives me an out for it. And yeah, Helen, like, and the, Helen the, Mirren's a hell of a deodorant. Like Helen yeah. Mirren <laughs> yes. humanizes Deckard in a way that he hadn't been to this point. <laughs> you got to take your brother. Like we've all yes. been in that, that situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And th- 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 I think that's the bit because because th- they do. You know, they try and you know have you know Hobbs kind of you know looking through his record and and realizing you know as as the movies go on like oh maybe maybe you know his, his bad history can be explained a little bit more or maybe he wasn't always the bad guy and it does it brings true like the the similarities uh with with uh with you know, with the rest of the cast really because they are all bad guys turn good you know that's what this movie is built on and that's kind of been you know the, the case from the start that's kind of what what dom's arc is as well mm-hmm. so yeah you can see those parallels the, i think the only issue i have with it is kind of like like i say i don't think the writers really knew that when they first introduced them and they made them a little <laughs> bit too da- a little bit too dastardly uh, to kind of do yeah. this cleanup but they do you know they, they do their best to kind of paper over those cracks and and making the baby face so yeah it does definitely work hey, here's a question that I, i've never thought of until we had this conversation like do you think had they maybe reworked hobbs and shaw a little bit and placed hobbs and shaw before eight and then by the time we get to eight hobbs is more of a tweener than the villain that we knew from six and seven like do you think that might have made the transition a bit more palatable you know i thought about this recently when we watched hobbs Mm. and shaw for the most recent lap because this time around not to put a damper on a future episode that I hope we're back invited for, but I liked Hobbs and Shaw less than I ever have this time mm. because it felt less significant because F9 is like, okay, we got two more movies. Like we're ramping up the end game. Everything matters. And then we go back and watch Hobbs and Shaw for the first time since seeing F9. We're like, oh yeah, just like by design, by direction, separate. And so I was trying to think like, I would like this more if it was like a side mission happening during eight. So it's not like we're losing time, mm-hmm. but they're both in eight. So like, I don't know that you can rework it to happen before. Maybe. I don't know, but it just feels like I want Hobbs and Shaw back in the main franchise proper, whatever time, tiny, whiny stuff you have to twist, do it. Cause I think that's going to help mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah. And and speaking of everybody, and, and maybe one man in particular that might have um, a, a bit of a beef, uh, I don't know how real or manufactured it is, with one Dwayne The Rock Johnson, we got to talk about the, the always controversial Mr. Roman Pierce, a.k.a. Tyrese Gibson, uh, in this movie, because the Joes and I, Benno, have had a conversation pretty much almost every time we've done an episode talking about 
this this franchise together. Whether you know we were talking about five, six, or seven, or you know I went on too fast, too forever to talk about uh, too fast, too furious. You know Tyrese's mm. debut in the series and. My thoughts on Roman are the deeper into these movies we get, the more of a caricature he becomes, the less of an actual three-dimensional person he becomes. Uh, I do think this Roman that we get in this movie, he does have a good moment on the ice with the torpedoes and all of that. Skating but, on the, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, the door. But for the most part, I feel like Roman is just the guy that just to say the obvious like man this is crazy what are we doing here somebody get me out of this car like i and i don't i don't know if i like it or if i hate it yeah yeah that's kind of my battle with the roman character because like you know too fast too furious is is a much lighter film than everything in this franchise and he carries that movie like he, I, I really believe that you know he's mm. That's to be honest, like as much as a caricature he is now, he's a bit of a caricature in Too Fast, Too Furious. Mm. You know, the constantly in the the petty little brother kind of act he's got going on with Paul Walker. Like he is, he's just a he's a heavyweight presence in that movie. Don't get me wrong, but he's a heavyweight kind of comedy presence in that movie. And I think that was maybe too far that way. And then when they they do, you know, eventually bring him back and we get the team back together in five and then onwards, like five and six is probably, you know, peak him. It's like he's funny and every, but everything he's saying rings true. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the little back and forth with, you know, with The Rock or, you know, The Rock making fun of his big ass forehead, that type of uh, type mm-hmm. of stuff. It's like banter you could imagine between a, a bunch of greased up lads who are driving really fast cars and it all works. But yeah, it's, it's eight out of nine as well where it does start to get like oh who said we were going to end up in space kind of lines he is that <laughs> nobody audience. told me about magnets man magnets. yeah yeah he's like that audience surrogate to the point where it's like has he actually got any brain cells in there and it's <laughs> it's 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 like it's tested well and he's probably got the biggest laughs in the movie so they've come back and gone okay yeah give roman more let's let's write in more hilarious rhymes for him and yeah we maybe have maybe stretched that line too far we, we might have even looped right back round to to too fast too furious roman i think that's where we are again whereas yeah i think i prefer the happy medium of five and six mm. what about you joey Uh, I, Rome, Joe knows that my experience with Roman in this movie has been (laughs) a fraught one. It's own roller coaster, it is. I love early Roman. I think Roman in five or six when he comes back after, you know, not really being in three or four. Like, I think that's sort of my favorite Roman. I really liked him in nine. This one, when I saw it the first time, you know, I wasn't really thrilled with the movie for any number of reasons, but I was just like, Roman is too roman he's too much <laughs> and then i don't know why i can't describe it i can't articulate it i can't define it maybe two watches ago joe maybe a couple laps yeah. ago, i was just like you know what i just I'm caved in. i'm in yeah i just sold <laughs> and i wore you down i think there's a certain element of stockholm syndrome that like <laughs> <laughs> from what i like i don't listen to other fast and furious podcasts because i you know i'm already out of like i don't want to steal other people's ideas and i already think about these movies too much i don't want to hear other people talk about them but from what i've heard from our listeners who listen to some other shows as well most of the other podcasts that cover the fast and furious don't like the movies and it's like well why are you watching them then and mm. I think that part of why Joe and I like all these is that there's a little bit of stock. I mean, I think we just genuinely like them, but I think it's a little bit of Stockholm syndrome that we have suffered that just like, 
yeah, man, it's all great. It's all good stuff. Don't don't point out the negatives because like we don't see them. Um, <laughs> and I think that might have happened here with Roman that it's something that I'm just like, this is a part of my life. I need to watch this movie every three or four months. You can't uh, get down on it. Or it's it'll... easier if I like it and enjoy him. So <laughs> let's just lean into it. <laughs> I, can't, I, I don't have a better answer than that. But He has he has the charm, though. I, I do think the charm gets to you. And I think that mm. that's part of, like, his actual character in the movies. That, like, even though he, like, annoys all of them or, like, you know, comes on strong to Ramsey, like, it's still so much, like, so charming in a particularly Tyrese way. I think it's only charming because we know him from previous movies. Like, if this was our introduction mm, to him, we would hate him as a character. Yeah, but but if he's your friend... Yeah. He's like, you you know, if you had a friend and you're like, oh, man, like, he's a little annoying, but, like, eh, it's just him. Like, you know, he's harmless, right? He's not, like, doing anything, like, weird. He just, like... He's just a little annoying. And Joey brings up a good point, too, because, like, if you look at Taz and Roman, like... They weren't part of the original family, but they were Brian's guys. Yeah. And so I think, like, because Brian co-signed them, like, we co-signed them. And we've watched them through all of these films. And so, yeah, like, I even, like, when he's yelling and, and screaming and all this stuff and, like, saying what's in the script, like, why are they chasing us, man? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, like, he does have, like, great moments in this movie. Like I said, like, when, when he shoots those guys on the ice and then he's, like, bragging about, you know, how he should be ranked higher on the FBI's most wanted list. Like, that's a good Roman moment, but I I do think that, like, his charm, like, if this was not Mm. Tyrese, because it's got to be somebody who can poke fun at themselves a little bit, and Mm -hmm. I think at least with this character, Tyrese can do that. Yeah. I I, I think, like, listening to you guys, the Joes talk about him, I think what it is, he's like, because you guys have done this loop so many times, he's, he's like that friend that you've always had. And if you met him today, you wouldn't be friends. Mm, but because yeah. you've been friends with him yep, so long, point. you're just yep. kind of stuck with him. That's who he is in your life. That's Maybe I point. just need to get better friends in my real life. But I can think of some examples. <laughs> that is a great point. Like, 30-year-old Joe would not be friends with Roman Pierce. But but since Joe met Roman at when he was 20, yeah. like, Roman's, good. Roman's a good dude, man. <laughs> and, like, he evolves. Like, he gets more Roman. But, like, your friends get more more themselves too as you spend more time with that's them that's true yeah so it kind of feels authentic and no one else it. will take them yeah no one else will put up with it but like they'd become like more set in their ways as they wow. go on and it feels like he roman's doing the same thing so. wow uh, so i think the rocky my via picture show owes tyrese gibson a formal apology, apology. Like, <laughs> all the years when i've been you know denigrating the roman pierce character this has actually been a very intricate study of, of human con. yeah like the way humans interact and the way you you become when you're when you get older around your friend group like this is deep stuff Ty, tyrese gibson is giving us an acting lesson a master class on the screen <laughs> we are not appreciating it because we're just thinking about magnets and is that a tank you know we, we're not thinking about what tyrese is giving us fellas you know i think there's also the thing and now now that we're getting toward the end maybe it's not sure anymore but in eight in hobbs and shaw in nine and i think probably in the next movie too none mm. of these characters are dying because they're all all the actors are getting paid too much money it's probably yeah. written all their in all their contracts that like no i'm not going to lose out on 10 million dollars by killing yeah. me off here so like because in that way the stakes are lower you know that the characters are here to stay and so it's just easier to like them than to be annoyed by them because <laughs> like mm. roman is easily easily the most expendable character like he yes, really yes. and like uh, if you know 
you can say that he does like he you know i think he's better in nine i think he's more productive in nine he's got the whole like maybe we're invincible thing or whatever (laughs) but like if your power if you're doing the fbi's 10 most wanted but like in terms of the family's most useful and helpful characters or Mm -hmm. family members or however you want to describe it like there's no there's no version of the world where he's not last yeah like like mia is given nothing to do in the screenplays but she (laughs) at least is like an operator back at hq able to guide them over the radio roman Mm. is just like a worse version of everybody and everything thank you you. he's a worse driver he's a worse like he's fighting he's a strong like roman's a strong dude and he can fight but he's not dom he's not hobbs like roman roman can drive but but he's not you know han he's not ted like everything everybody else does roman does roman's like sam wilson and the winter soldier like i do everything they do just slower <laughs> so you're saying that we're gonna get a roman and bucky spinoff series yeah i would love to see a marvel spinoff like a marvel style spinoff series with the fast and the furious characters oh man oh, honestly man. i think you could do that with with uh, tez and roman like i yep. think there's oh. something there with Ludacris and tyrese like we've gotten them in all these movies but i still think you could tell a really funny story with the two of them mm-hmm and well, there was that tweet that went viral a little bit a couple of years ago. I remember it was like Fast and Furious 50 when that when that Russian face swap app made everybody old. Oh, yeah. You know, they took yeah. either they did it or someone did it of a picture of them. But uh, Tyrese and Ludacris did like the old man makeup. And just like, this is Fast and Furious 50. Like those two, I think, are bonded together forever. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to see that, like, that period between Too Fast and Fast Five. Like, how did Tej all of a sudden know yes. how to, like, open, yeah. ta- op- open up safes and tanks and stuff? How did they go from just organizing races to do that? What was <laughs> what was the story for the two of them? There's that big. I've got a whole set. Let's pitch this thing. Let's go to Netflix or something. Let's, <laughs> yep. Let's get this going. Yeah, man. So, uh... Basically, all right, we, we, we're gonna we're gonna come to the end of the the story, so to speak. So, oh wait, hold on. I'm so sorry to interrupt. But I just realized. Wait, uh, Benno, is this in in your in your native land? This is just the Fast and the Furious Eight, right? This is not the Fate of the Furious. There's no pun in the title. I don't believe so. No, we were kind of we were kind of we get confused in marketing for these things. It's like. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I just realized. Fast and Furious Four was 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 it just Fast and Furious for you guys? I hate correct. That. I hate yeah. Like, could they not have put a four instead of an F? Like, I feel like it would make so much more Fast sense. And Furious, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like, I don't want to derail your show, but like, it's rare that like the the UK market. Like, we we talked to somebody from the UK about these because like the marketing over there is just the Fast and Furious One through Eight. And then yeah. what was it? Is the new one F Nine or is the new one the Fast and Furious Nine? I think just F9. I think that's what oh, we don't have it as bad tradition. as Okay. Yeah, we don't just have it as bad as um Japan though. Have you seen the Japan names where it's like no. Wild Speed One, Wild oh, Speed yes, Two? Yes, 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 yes. Like all of those names, and it's like icebreak for this movie, and they've all got like different names. <sighs> yeah, we because we in America we had F9, then F9 colon the fast saga, the then F9 saga. the fast saga. Like and Joey and I didn't know what the like we still don't know what the official title is. Like they've we left. Yeah, I, th- I think it's F nine. Yeah, I don't know. It's also like you know, in the new movie Dune, it's like the title card is Dune Part One. It's like that was not the title that I bought a ticket to the movie to see. You're like it's just apparently this is. It just you, you go into movies now and you don't even know the title of the movie. It's and this sounds like a Seinfeld bit, and I don't mean it to be a Seinfeld bit. <laughs> what is with these titles? Who's making these movies? Everything in the franchise is just like the next one, right? Just go see the yeah. next Fast and Furious. Like yes. okay, sure. <laughs> Uh, we, we do need to talk about a particular scene because this is a person who the first time I saw this film, I didn't think she was going to be in it. 
And spoiler alert, she's not in it for long. And uh, Elena, grand opening, grand closing. How do we feel about the way this character was dealt with, guys? As an inconvenience. I think she's dealt with, like, it's it's like, well, you know, Dom's back with Letty, so, you know, we kind of remember that whole subplot where he, he kind of had a different girlfriend and all of that stuff. Yeah. And she was part of the family, but was she ever really? Like, I feel like we're seeing it play out on screen where it's like, okay, yeah, we need the device for this movie. Yeah, we can't, you know, obviously we can't use Paul Walker, we can't use that family. Let's just use, use her and kill her off. I, I feel, feel like we got we spent a lot of time on Justice for Han. I feel like we should have Justice for Elena, because... I always liked her as a character in the movie. Yeah. She served a role, you know. I think she got she got dealt with unfairly. I think by by the movies, like she went from being like a, a what felt like a main character to you know one of the women who stays at home to basically being bait in this film. And it's yeah, sure. not real justice for for how good she was in a in her first couple of turns. She definitely gets third wheeled hard here, and it it's it's hard to watch. But at the same time, like. They never really fleshed out Elena as a character, mm-hmm. so I don't feel that bad about it because, like, one of the True. things that, like, I always worry about is, like, as we started adding more and more characters, we had to start killing some off because it just was getting, like, these, like, especially, like, around here, like, eight. Like, mm-hmm. we're getting so many characters, and you keep adding more big-name actors, and, like, the screen time itself just gets cut down so much that, like, like there's not a ton of The Rock in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, and that feels yeah. like an injustice. And so, like, they had to, like, break him off and do Hobbs and Shaw. And, like, that makes sense. So, like, lo- like yes, we kind of did Elena dirty, but I'm, like, good. Like, pff, she's just gone. That's, like, just, <laughs> just one good. less person to worry about. Like, as bad as it sounds, you're just, like, okay, like, yeah. Like, we need to start cutting people down here. So And, like, like Joey was saying, like, we're not going to start killing off Tyrese and stuff. So, no. you, know, you have to get rid of people somehow. And this is a good way to do it. Yeah, just kill the women. You no, know. I mean, no, but like Elena is like lowest on a totem pole. Well, I guess that's their fault for not giving her more, but yes. Yeah, yeah it, it it had to be done to move the story forward. So like I, like, I don't know if this would be considered like a fridging situation, uh, but it did feel very much like she was just there to propel Dom. And, yep. uh, 100%. And, and so like... I wish we could have gotten a little bit more because, again, like I didn't know where Elena was in all of this from the last two or three films. Like I didn't know what her role was. I'd completely forgotten about it. So the mm-hmm. first time I saw this, I'm just like, okay, she's back and she's got this baby, a very cute baby, by the way. Like the baby was super cute, uh, even though the baby doesn't apparently have a name because she was waiting for Dom to name this child that's been alive for. <laughs> I, I don't know how babies work, but I'm thinking, yeah, at least like nine months to a year, this baby's been around with no name. And that feels weird to me, Joe. I, I agree, man. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'd like the, the only logic we could come up with is that like this story was not written for Elena and it was supposed to be me. Yeah. And in that sense, mm-hmm. it works way better. And so I'm just like, okay, like, you know, losing Paul Walker, we had to rewrite it to be Elena. And then I'm like, I'm kind of okay with it mentally. Yeah. But we have no confirmation of that. They obviously said that this is exactly the movie we wanted to make and everything mm. was done intentionally, but it feels like it. So I'm like, I like that explanation in my head way better than the like, we just brought Elena back out of nowhere, kind of, and just fridge her again. It's, it's weird. So. Well, you know, yeah. like explicitly the baby is not named to give the audience a send off to remember Paul Walker, meet Brian, right? Like 
and that doesn't work because you're like wait hold no. on but brian's alive and like exactly yeah you can't say meet baby paul walker marcos toretto right like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> but like i don't know man it's yeah. we argued Hollow, the other day we argued the other day like should they have named the baby paul and just like broke the fourth wall and just mm. been like okay the, 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 the baby's name is paul like it doesn't make sense in the movies but it kind of makes more sense than what they do yeah. in the movie yeah i think if you did that like you could do that just for the audience you don't need that moment where the whole family are all kind of like applauding it and they're all happy because for some reason you know despite the fact brian's on at the end of the phone and he hasn't even got an invite to the cookout yep like if you just did it like oh but even if you didn't go like on the nose of paul and called him paolo you know like like vin diesel was known to call Mm. paul walker and then we just go up to the clouds or something and we don't get the you know we get it as the audience yeah we don't have that weirdness of the cast having to not be like that's weird why is he named him after brian um yeah paolo toretto that 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 works that's that's a good that's a good Mm. pull paolo marcos Toronto. Mm. <laughs> so while we're in the air, we have two concurrent action set pieces to kind of wrap up the the latter part of the film. We've got the family uh, on a fighting a Russian submarine, where we you know got the aforementioned Tyree scene, and in the air we've got Deckard Shaw infiltrating Cipher's plane, and they take the plane down, they rescue the baby, and it all wraps up at the cookout in New York city where Paul, excuse me, but Brian is not invited. Uh, he couldn't make it, uh, despite his nephew or godson. I don't know how the Toretto family works like being in danger. Uh, and so they were at the cookout with the rooftop. We've got, of course, the ubiquitous bickering back and forth over Ramsey between Tej and Roman. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got Mr. Nobody showing up, giving Hobbs an update on what's going on with Cypher. Hobbs is like, Hey man, I want to take take some time off and just be around my kid, man. Uh, that's not going to last long because me and me and Shaw are going on this adventure real soon. But for right now, I don't want to be involved in this superhero type of life. Uh, and and we we get the baby naming and all is well with the family for now. So uh, how do we feel about the the conclusion to Fate of the Furious? Uh, did did this work for you? Uh, I guess apart from the baby stuff. I mean, this is the scene that that inspired Justice for Han, right? Like, I think that there's a difference between having an enemy, having an enemy of the family help you with a thing that you need help with, mm-hmm. and then inviting him to the family barbecue. Yep. Yeah. Holding hands with him, saying grace. It just yeah. feels wrong when the camera pulls out, doesn't it, at the end? Mm. And yeah, it does. You know, I love Jason Statham. I stood up in the theater when I saw Fast and Furious 6 and he was in the post credit scene. I was like, this is exactly what I wanted without mm-hmm. knowing it. And I think, you know, he works well with Hobbs and I want to see him back in the main franchise. And I think we're going to get that. Like, I just don't know what they were thinking here, to be perfectly no. honest. It just feels I, weird. I don't think we What What rooftop is this? Do they do they own a park? Like, who who lives in yeah. New York that they're like you know have this beautiful like million dollar roof? It has to be and like nobody's through, through nobody, there. right? No, but, but he's Nobody's also like there. I'm leaving. You no, know, I'm saying he's there, but it's not like he's like oh welcome to like my place. He's like I gotta True. get out of here. So yeah. like it's not him. It's very strange. That's a great question. It is. Yeah, and it's I I think the thing is like to, to the point. I don't think it has been thought through. It's like, I remember seeing an interview with Michelle Rodriguez where when they first, you know, bring in Shaw and, you know, team him up with the guys, she's like, they didn't even have a line for one of us to say, 
you think we've forgotten what you've done? So when she literally says that line in the movie, I think she's gone on record. I know I made sure I said that line because I felt like it was important. And that, I think, maybe shows you the level of thought that was was given to that stuff because there's no way anybody was thinking about that. Or, like I say, with, with family being such a, a core subject in this series to, you know, have that cookout with, you know, yeah. Han's body's barely cold and yeah, he's, he's been invited and he's just sat, he's sat there with the family. That That is, you're right, that is the bit where it does sit wrong and you leave the movie just feel for me as like a hardcore fan feeling a bit better and that's i think that is how the hashtag got started and that is the bit where it it maybe hurts most because even with hobbs like in five he kind of worked with the family after chasing the family for a bit but he wasn't at the cookout like he had to wait until six to come to the cookout yeah yeah and statham just gets an invitation automatically yeah and i don't brian brian had to fight to get into that you know get into that family i don't know that hobbs really got an in like they just sort of show up and i don't get i don't get the impression that they stay you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. yeah they show up just to be like good job you're you're clear whatever here's your paperwork your your sign out paperwork (laughs) like this is like you know the exit interview like you get 1327 back i'm just making sure you're here i know where you live cool they're not chilling like Stephen is chilling like it's a Mm. different thing Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's that it's that too and like this is so dumb because like we could have just like had statham drop off the baby been like cool they get a high fived and like he could have walked out and then you you don't get this weird thing it's just yeah yeah, yeah it's strange like i was gonna say as well they like to oh, i mean that is my big negative of the movie like it, it is that it's that hand situation hanging over it but you mentioned the action scenes like i'm not a big fan of the submarine scene you know towards mm. the end but the thing that does make baby face decade sure work it is the scene with the baby isn't it you know you mentioned yes. earlier how cute the baby is and mm. all of that stuff on the plane like even a hard nose you know just as the hand till i die type guy like myself can't help but like in isolation love that yeah. moment and love that scene it's like okay i get why they want this guy to be a good guy it is so well but it's one of, it is in isolation one of the greatest scenes in the series yeah. i think like like for for that scene and for saving the baby you've earned a plate like you can take a plate home from the cookout like <laughs> yeah. you can show up get a plate and go decker you don't get to sit though like you have to earn that <laughs> and i a feel plate, like, like not a chair it, yeah i yeah. feel like if there was something where the family kind of acknowledges what he did, but at the same time, like you're not part of us, at least not yet. That would have made that ending r- work a lot better for me. I think, you know, I just realized what would have worked a lot better for me is if that chipmunk song was number one in the German pop charts. <laughs> That's what we should have guessed. Yeah. I mean, you know, Despacito was a, was a monster back then. It, it would have been hard to beat. uh but 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 uh speaking of uh monstrous it's time to get to our monstrous ranking system that transition wasn't clunky at all let's go with it uh it makes as much sense sense as deckard shaw enjoying a corona on the rooftop uh so (laughs) for the purposes of the rocky Maya via picture show we've got a patented five-point rating scale if a movie is great if a movie is perfect we can find no fault with it no fault with the rock's performance in it that is a five out of five. We just went one-on-one with a great one. If a movie is really good, if it's solid, if there's, you know, maybe a couple minor nitpicks here and there, uh, you know, and The Rock is pretty good, pretty good in it, that's a four out of five. That's a people's champ. If a movie is okay, you know, The Rock doesn't embarrass himself, the movie's, you know, one of those good rainy Saturday afternoon, eating a steak and some fries type of movies. <laughs> That's a three out of five. That's a know your role. <laughs> now, if a movie is bad, if a movie has 
very few redeeming qualities. The Rock is just terrible in the film. That's a two out of five. That's a jabroni joint. But Benno, if a movie is unredeemable, if a movie is terrible, if a movie is doomed, that's a one out of five. That's a rock bottom. So, <laughs> for now, 20- Nate, can you yes. remind me, are we rating the movie or the performance by The Rock in the movie? I was, feel like, I was thinking I, was I feel like I give you two answers every time, and I'm tired of thing. being like, an asshole. If, if we go back to every time you showed up on the show, I think you've asked this question every yeah. time. And I think every time I've just acquiesced and said, let's do both. Uh, so let's, why, why break with tradition, brother? Okay. Like, so, so give a grade for Rock and also a grade for The Fate of the Furious. Okay. So let's start with uh let's start with our, our, our newest member of the family, the uh, Jason Statham. He just showed up. Uh, I don't know why you've got a baby uh, in your arms, <laughs> Benno, but uh, uh, what on a scale of one to five, what would you give uh, Fate of the Furious and The Rock's performance in this film? Yeah, I think I, I had that same question because I do think it's a good rock movie. Mm-hmm. And emphasis on the word rock, because I do think the character of Hobbs has kind of disappeared and now he's just he's kind of on there throwing in rock catchphrases, throwing in eyebrows, you know, <laughs> doing the harker with his uh, his kids football team. He's just he's doing whatever he wants at this point. Yeah. But it is very, very entertaining. Um so I I think as a rock movie, I'd go with Know Your Role. I, I do think it's a it's a solid solid three stars. I think he's uh, for the bits he's asked to do. And even the best he's not asked to do, I think he's, he's very good. And it's a good it's a good entry to uh, the Rocky uh, Maivir picture show. As a... F- See, I've, I've kind of got the three scales, is it? As a movie, I'm not sure it's a great movie. As a fast movie, though, it is on my lower end. Like, I, I think I've got a little bit more love for it now than I maybe did when I first watched it. But I don't think I can get past Jabroni joints with it. I don't think Ooh, I can get wow. past two out of five. Wow, um, this might be the I, lowest we've ever given a Fast and Furious movie. <sighs> And I feel bad about it because I don't get. I love this series, and there's <laughs> plenty of things to, to you know to to like in here. But yeah, I, I think for me, it's still my least favorite uh, fast wow. movie. I'll still I'll still watch it, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's uh, displacing anything above it. Okay, strong take from Benno. Uh, he might have sunk his chances to be a guest on Too Fast <laughs> Forever. Oh well, time will tell. <laughs> uh, but I do think uh, before we go to the Joes for there. Uh, ratings. I do think you bring up an interesting point about the Rock's character that I, I missed uh, uh, the first time I watched this, but now having seen this and also having seen Hobbs and Shaw, like I do like that they're sprinkling in bits of the Rock Samoan heritage yeah. into the character of Hobbs, and I feel like that's probably mostly the Rock wanting mm-hmm. to bring that to the screen, uh, as as uh, he said in Face Off, Black and Samoan running through these veins. Uh, he's going to take your face off, man. So he and he probably <laughs> said that exact phrase to F. Gary Gray, and Gary was like, okay, the, the kids can do the haka at the soccer game. So uh, I do like kind of this evolution of the Hobbs character, and we'll see more of that in Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, but getting back to this film, uh, let's start with you, Joe, too. Uh, what is your rating for The Fate of the Furious as a film and also your rating for Dwayne Johnson's uh, portrayal in this film? I... I mean, we obviously love The Rock. I love The Rock in this. I think that I got to give this The Rock performance a four out of five of People's Champ because I think that the, like, the fight in the prison scene with him and Statham is just so cool. Like, 
the the bench pressing the bench or like the concrete yep. or whatever like all of that is just awesome but i do think that this is like at the point where he and vin are kind of at odds so mm-hmm. like you don't get a ton of the rock in this movie which makes me sad so um well, this that's is the why... movie that had the like the walk off right that yes, didn't show yeah. up yeah yeah, yeah. so th- this that's what i'm saying like it, it, it's obvious that they're like kind of at odds in the movie just based on his screen time and like the interactions mm-hmm. and stuff so like that yeah. kind of did, like adds it adds some negativity to this for me um but i think the rock is great in this and i think it's a really great performance from him um for the movie itself i've come i've like like you said you know you've heard us talk through it and talk like how we've come around on it i think i gotta give it like a three and a half mm. as a as a movie um there's definitely a lot of things that I like. There's definitely a lot of things that I don't like, but I think that like Joey was saying, like in my brain, I've kind of just like, just went around. Like I've logic out of them, right? Like even if like I have problems with them and they're like very standard, um, you know, tactile problems that like you can see and point to, I'm like, Oh, but there's a reason for it. And like, I've kind of just given myself an out on it. So it, that's why it seems a lot better to me in my head, watching through them. Okay. I, I respect that. I respect that. I think, Again, getting to The Rock's character in this, one of the most, um, and I I think this might have been the movie, the film where you first kind of threw this theory out there. And I believe it was Joey that threw the theory out there. Uh, And I kind of dig the theory, given what we saw at the soccer game, uh, where uh, I think, Joey, you were like The Rock. uh, Did you say he might be like asexual? I thought he was gay. Well, I think think The Rock, I think Hobbs, okay, no. Jeez, I think the Benno thing before, where does Hobbs end? Where's the Rock? Yes, begin? yes, Hobbs, the character of Luke Hobbs. Yes, so I think, I think the Rock, largely, his persona in most movies, and I think just in general, and I think it's smart, I think it's calculated, I think he, he, he largely comes across as asexual. Like, I think he's, in many movies he's in, he's married to a woman, he's got a beautiful wife, but, like, he's not, like, doing romance movies. Like, even no. in an action movie, like, it, it, it doesn't feel like... The, like it feels like the relationship that he has with his wife and whatever these movies are is real, but it's like, yeah, it's just you know, it's it's just what it has to be. We were hoping yeah. that he was gay in these movies because, as representative as these movies are for mm-hmm. you know ethnicity and for you know, it's pretty good split men women. I mean, the women could do more. The LGBTQ representation is very kind of low, and there's it's uh, some of the newer stuff like the animated series and the video game or whatever do a little bit better job. But we were like, mm-hmm. it would be so cool if this stereo- stereotypically, historically, however you want to, whatever the appropriate way to say it is, coded heterosexual man with like this alpha male, huge muscles or whatever, just like, oh yeah, my partner or whatever, and like you just got like a boyfriend, mm-hmm. and it would be so cool. But then in Hobbs and Shaw, we find out that's not necessarily the case. I mean, he might be bi or pan or who knows what, but, you know, there's a lot of beautiful women in this in this soccer scene that are clearly smitten by Lucas Rebecca Hobbs, and he does not care. Yes, yeah, like he makes the, the aside like, uh, mm. they just love soccer. Like, I, I, like, never do I have the impression like, oh, Rock is, like, seeing all of these women on the side after practice and not for no. orange slices and, and Capri Sun. Uh, but... Uh, what about your thoughts on the film and The Rock's performance in this, uh, Joey? What what uh, rating would you give uh, The Fate of the Furies? So i got to give you three ratings. Well, not three ratings. I'm going to give you two ratings. I'm going to I'm going cl- <laughs> to I'm so sorry. I apologize. I, I need to clarify that the rating I'm giving 
the performance is for the extended version because i do think that that specifically helps him the stuff with shaw i think it adds the second haka dance at the end like i think it it adds more that i really do appreciate and i think as a performance as lucas rebecca hobbs i think it's a four out of five against the people champ it's not the best version but it's Mm. up there i think it's pretty good Mm. we get more of him than we did in seven you know i think maybe six and hobbs or maybe the high watermarks possibly like hobbs Mm -hmm. and and six but i think this is a solid you could do worse than finding you know a lucas rebecca hobbs performance in this movie yeah now the movie itself every fast and furious movie is a great one it's (laughs) five out of five yeah but (laughs) i mean so if if that's the answer that's the answer this is not this is my hesitation on despacito it's a great one it's five out of five but if 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 you're trying to be realistic it's probably like what joe said it's a know your role people's champ know Mm -hmm. your people's champ somewhere in there if you're comparing it to other fast and furious movies but against all movies that have ever been made Toe to toe with a great one, man. Come on, come on. <laughs> what are we doing here? It's it's funny because I think that this might be the first fast film where The Rock's performance has outpaced the movie. Yeah, because I think five, yeah. like five, to me is the high water mark of the series, mm-hmm. and The Rock is just kind of getting into the character of Hobbs, and then six, like he's he's. You know, he's got some great scenes in six, but the movie still outpaces Hobbs, I think. Same with seven. Uh, but this one, I think, is the first time where I feel like The Rock's performance was better than the film it was in. And that's not to say this was a bad film, because, again, on the scale of movies that were released in 2017, this would probably be in the top half. But if we're just looking at fast films, it's still in my bottom half. And so... I'm going to go with the consensus here and, and uh, say that the rocks performance was a four out of five for me. It was a people's champ. Uh, the film, I'll give it a three out of five. It's a know your role. It's, it's again, you know, it's, if it comes on USA or, you know, if I'm watching an episode of AW dynamite one night, Benno and a mm. little JR is like, stay tuned for Fate of the furious <laughs> coming up next, everybody. See you later. By God, I'm not going to change the channel. You know, you know, I'm not going to be like, Oh, fate of the furious. Who wants to see that? You know, I'll probably leave it on at least for the yeah. opening scene with the, the race in Havana. Cause again, like that's a really fun scene. And I wish, I wish the movie were a bit more of that and less of Charlize Theron and the plane stuff. Yeah, that's it for me. It's like, although I've been like the harshest on my rating, it's still a fast movie, you know? It's uh-huh. it's pretty, it might be my least favorite pizza, but it's still pizza. You know, I'm yep. still going to eat it. I'm still going to watch that, it. I'm, that one I'm sentence, like you're, you're invited on the show. That's all we needed to hear. You passed the test. I made it. <laughs> there we go. That's the audition. <laughs> <laughs> I promise to go higher on the other movie, guys. I've got some five stars in my locker as well. <laughs> well, speaking of that show, I think that's a perfect segue, Joey, for... Uh, you guys to speak about too fast, too forever, because uh, you know it, we're in we're in the holiday season, and, and the holiday season is all about family. And what is more family than a show which features two guys watching the Fast and Furious <laughs> and Fast and Furious ancillary related, you know, uh, adjacent type of movies on an endless loop, like. You know, you 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 guys are going to be the Tyrese and Ludacris old people meme where in, in 2045, God willing, if you're still alive, you'll be on your 200th lap 
of Ooh. watching these films. So uh, tell the folks about uh, the film, uh, not the film, uh, tell the folks about the podcast, which is about the films, and uh, where they can find you. You know, the 2045 date is appropriate because I think we've done the math. Like, that's about when we'll catch up with these movies on a minute-by-minute basis. I mean, that, <laughs> that means that, like... Because we do the one per minute per episode, yes. whatever it's a whole. But like that's you know we bet we got we have to we're, we're contractually obligated with the see the uh, whatever. This episode comes out. We are in the middle of lap ten right now, which is the Shaw Brothers lap. So mm-hmm. not only are we watching the movies for the tenth time, but we are watching movies starring or featuring Jason Statham, Vanessa Kirby, Luke Evans, Helen Mirren, or made by the actual Shaw Brothers, the you know the <laughs> Kung Fu oscilloscope old timey. Mm awesome badass movie so that's yes. every tuesday too fast too forever anywhere you get podcasts we have a patreon page too fast too forever.com where we do bonus episodes you get episodes early stuff like that you know we've had a, a few of our vocal because we have a lot of people write in we're, we're so happy that people listen and write in and you know email into the show and tweet at us or whatever and a couple of our more vocal supporters have come from this feed so i know that people yeah, like our guys. nonsense on here so if you like <laughs> the vibe nate's been a guest on our show a couple times he's coming back next lap so if you like whatever nonsense this is we do it every tuesday right so yep <laughs> and benno will have probably been on i don't know what <laughs> Nate, is this episode coming out in november december what month is this going to be uh some sometime between thanksgiving black friday <laughs> and christmas so Perfect. somewhere in that general area <laughs> So I believe Benno will have already been on the show. I mean, again, we just met him. We haven't actually made anything official, but probably Benno will have been on already. Nate will be on again soon. So just check out Too Fast, Too Forever anywhere you get podcasts. Yes, and then I, I I can co-sign the show. I'm I'm much like like these these guys to the post wrestling audience. These guys are Tyrese and Ludacris. You don't know these guys, <laughs> but but you know me. And if I'm hanging around with these guys, you should hang out with them too. Uh, they they do a lot of good work, a lot of great work, and and uh, the shows are always entertaining. Uh, uh, somebody else who is entertaining uh, when he's not saving babies, he's out here talking about Brit Rez. Brother Benno, let the people know what you got going on, my friend, and where they can find you. Yeah, definitely. Well, first off, I suppose I'll say either thanks or apologies for my performance on Too Fast for Too Forever. So, <laughs> sorry, guys, <laughs> how that went. Or thank you, we had a great time. Uh, but yeah, for me, uh, for, for wrestling stuff, obviously, and catch me here on uh, on post wrestling talking British wrestling every month doing the British wrestling experience. But over on my other feed for Grapple, um, we do a podcast every Monday talking about the world, the wrestling. But we did a, a versus episode, uh, about the first episode of that, uh, a few weeks ago, and it was me and WH Park, and we did have a big conversation about our shared love for uh, for fast movies so yeah Ooh, people should awesome. uh, should check that out and we have a, a big if you think we had stronger opinions on tyrese listen to that man um, he's got strong opinions on tyrese and <laughs> i don't not think all wh does anything but strong opinions <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. So yeah, hopefully we can all get together at some point to uh, to chat some. Uh, some yes, full disclosure. Yeah, like w, we we did uh, I, when uh, I extended the invitation to Benno. I also extended the invitation to uh, the good brother WH Park to mm. join us, uh, but schedules got in the way. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, we're we're not going to get to review Fast Nine, but we will eventually talk mm. about Hobbs and Shaw. So I'm hoping when we get to Hobbs and Shaw, uh, WH can be. You know, the new addition to our family, along with Benno and the Joes, much like Kevin Hart was the new addition <laughs> to the Fastiverse, and, and WH Park can be our Kevin Hart. Awesome. Apex Predators, Alphas, <laughs> all five of us. <laughs> I like the idea of just keep adding people. It feels very on-brand for Fast and the Furious. Yes. Like you should just, yeah, it works perfectly. By the time we get to 10, like, they'll just be 
eight people on this podcast and it will be, uh, it will be a mess, but it will be a wonderful mess. Uh, but for more of me, if, if you enjoy this show and, and again, thanks for checking this out. I know it's been a while since we've done one of these Rocky Mountain View picture shows, but we figured we'd, we'd drop some holiday goodness on you. Uh, if you want more from me, of course, here at post wrestling, I've got the Nubian wrestling advocates alongside, uh, Chris, the professor uh, from L.A., and Andrew Thompson, who is one of the hardest-working brothers in uh, pro wrestling media. Uh, Every month we talk about pro wrestling, the business in and out of the ring, from the lens of uh, black uh, media members, black journalists, and uh, black fans. Because at the end of the day, you know, we wouldn't spend hours talking about stuff, whether it's movies or wrestling, if we didn't enjoy the, the stuff we were watching. Uh, even when we don't like it, you know, uh, much like Benno and Britt was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you can check out uh, the NWA podcast here on post. Check out the Kings of Sport, uh, kingsofsport.com. We've got a Patreon, patreon.com, backslash the Kings of Sport. Five bucks gets you in the door. We are closing in on 300 episodes of the Kings of Sport. And oh. so uh, oh. excited for that. We're going through some changes on the podcast, and we'll let you know about those as we get closer to that big milestone number, but uh, you can check that out and I uh, support the Patreon if you'd like, cause it really helps us out. Uh, for me, just follow me on Twitter at in the number eight, M O Z A I K at Nate mosaic. There you'll get links to all the work that I do on these various platforms, whether it's post wrestling, place to be nation, DC TV podcast, Kings of sport, all of that good stuff. So uh, that's where you can find me. Uh, but before we get out of here, folks, you didn't think I was going to, end an episode without giving you a tease for what's going on in the theater next time even if next time ends up being six months from now we still gotta we still gotta send the tease out there joey uh let the people know what's coming up so we just finished talking about fate of the furious the next film on the rocky Maya via picture show is a film with with more worldwide global stakes it's a very serious film ladies and gentlemen because next time in the theater we're going to be talking about 2017's Baywatch. Welcome to Baywatch. Our team is the elite of the elite. We're the heart and soul of this very beach. Come on, Pete, make my pecs a little bigger. And don't cover up my front bump. You got it. Huge dick. Big dick. We're staring into the abyss here. It's up to us to restore the Baywatch brand. Hey, One Direction, you here for the qualifiers? I'm Matt Brody. I don't have to try out. I've got two gold medals. Hey! Matt Brody. Matt Brody, yes! <laughs> we still don't, don't give, give up. up. Training begins at 0600. This has nothing to do with saving people. He's a refrigerator. This is Baywatch, pussy. What is it that you think we do here? Prevent people from getting sunburned and occasionally stop them from drowning. Ah! Everything's okay. I can't save you if you're being a dick! This is the guy you think is a good PR opportunity for us. Look, I get it. You're big, Sasquatch. But I'm fast. Whoa. Ah, shit. Don't touch you. You suck. Drugs, murder, dead body on our beach, and it all started once she took over. Some people are up to no good. We're gonna have to do what they watch as best. The truth is, one of you will probably die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? No. Am I the only one that thinks this is clearly a job for the police? 
Thank you, Blue-Eyed Demon. You got one job. Make sure swim-happy white people don't drown. Why does she always look like she's running in slow-mo? She's the reason I believe in God. Uh. We gotta go undercover. Yeah, undercover. Yeah, a little too undercover. I'm oceanic, mother. Jason Bourne ain't got shit on me. Why are we in the morgue? You gotta get some hard evidence. Someone's coming. What do we do now? Now we hide. Where? I'm laying on a dead old lady. Our drawers are empty. Why'd you pick that drawer? Something just tripped on me. It's just a little dead man's fat. Necrotic liquid fat that we used up in a baby. That's it. I'm out. Ooh. Oh, great movie. Well, you know. Nice. We love I, that. You know, I don't want to keep inviting ourselves on, but you know, you got Zach Efron next right here. You know what I mean? I knew as so. soon as I, as soon as I brought up uh, Baywatch with that man, Zach Efron, Oof. I was going to get a, get a pop from the Joes. <laughs> Lewis blue eyes. I haven't seen that movie since uh, since Yaya blew up though, right? So like that's gonna be you know there's yeah yeah. I think I think I've seen that movie once. Like I watched it. Uh, I definitely didn't watch it in the theaters, but whenever it came out on DVD, uh, when DVDs were still a thing five years ago, six years ago, <laughs> uh, I I watched Baywatch and I I didn't hate it. I don't know if I loved it, but I didn't hate it. It's fun. So, it's definitely fun. I wonder what, like, how, how with 2021 sensibilities or 2022 sensibilities more likely, because, you know, we probably not, won't do another <laughs> one of these until next year. Uh, but I wonder what, what uh, my opinion of that film is going to be. Will it be better? Will it be worse? You'll just have to tune in and find out. But, yeah, we're going to the beach for Baywatch next time in the theater. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And who knows? Maybe the Joes will be back. Oh, because we have not watched that from the rock point of view. We were watching it from the Zeph point of view. So it's a whole mm. new viewing experience. It is. Yes. I, and I will say Baywatch, and you just heard it in the trailer, like my thoughts on the overall movie aside, like has one of my f- favorite lines in any trailer where, uh, where <laughs> my man is like, uh, you guys are lifeguards. You're just supposed to protect white people, keep them out of trouble and let them swim. <laughs> Like, like I butchered the line, but that's the general sentiment. And every time I hear that line, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly your job, sir. It is. It definitely is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Baywatch next time on the Rocket My View Picture Show. Uh, thank you all for listening. Hope you, everybody has a safe and happy holiday season. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to give a shout-out to Austin James, uh, who designed our original logo, Robert Pearson, who designed our current logo, and also the logo on our great Rocky My Via Picture Show t-shirts, which you can pick up at the Post Wrestling Store. I want to thank uh, Brother Braden Harrington for providing us with the theme song. And of course, uh, I want to thank my guests here this month, Joey Lewandowski, Joe Two from Too Fast, Too Forever, and of course, making his debut, Brother Benno. Thanks to all of you guys. Uh, this was fun. I'm, I'm glad we uh, were able to make time to uh, talk about family. Always, brother. Glad to be here. I love talking to you. You know that. Thank you, Nate. Great time. Right. Thanks, Dave. So, thank you, Brother Pollock. Thank you, Brother Ting. Thank you, Terramana. <laughs> One take, fellas. That's, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Remember, Nubian eyes are watching.
turn your ass on out of here. No! Oh! I can't believe it! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.